Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Lunch Break Podcast, part of the Global Life Project with your hosts, Arturo Barrera and Umar Rahman. In this podcast, we talk about relevant global issues, topics, ideas, and stories while on our lunch break. We do this in hopes of raising awareness for our communities. Please subscribe, leave a review, and share with your colleagues. Thank you. We hope you listen and enjoy. And enjoy. Hello, everybody. Once again, to the Lunch Break Podcast, Episode 4. Hope you all are doing very well. Um, I'm, I know I'm doing well. I know Umar's doing well. But unfortunately, we're both a little sleepy, which is pretty funny. So... Um, We'll see how this episode goes. <laughs> but we have a really, like, interesting but very, uh, I want to say, like, complex topic, per se. Because it's something that maybe a lot of people don't really get into like that. And it's about humanitarian organizations and humanitarian aid. And basically, we're going to, well, it's going to be kind of me leading the discussion a little bit. But we'll just be talking about, um, or having a conversation about issues that humanitarian organizations encounter and some dynamics involved within those organizations so um yeah that's basically what we're going to talk about today and um of course i'm making posts on the instagram if you want to follow us on the instagram it's at global life ig follow us on there and so yeah we'll just get started as usual let's start with the the first question the burning question umar what, what are you eating today my friend yeah man i got some bread some chicken curry and some coffee with that Mm, what kind of coffee is it? I actually forgot. That. Just plain regular coffee. Plain regular. Yeah, coffee creamer, with the uh, water. You nice, know that nice. whole mix. Nice, nice. <laughs> That's cool, man. Yeah, for me, yeah. I have um, some chicken. I don't know what kind. I think it's just chicken, and some veggies around. I got some uh, carrots. Some. I don't know my veggies like that. Green beans. Green beans. Just a couple things in there. And then I have potatoes on the side. So Nice, nice. And then, of course, I got my water next to me. Because, you know, we got to stay hydrated out here. Of course, of course. It's getting hotter out here, actually. It, was, it, it is. I was surprised today. today. I went out to get a package, and it was, like, I was shocked, you know. Yeah, no. The thing that it snowed, well, we live in Virginia. The thing that it, it snowed, like, a couple days ago. So I think it actually did, and now it's, like, 60-degree weather. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, I know in Texas too. You know how they were all freezing over, over there. Yeah, it was seventy or something degrees yesterday there. Really? Yeah. Wow. So the snow's probably just gone. Like, like it did even snow. I assume so. I don't know exactly what the situation is there, but it was bad for a bit. Gotcha, gotcha. Oh man, yeah, that's interesting. I don't know this weather. But all right, let's just uh, let's just jump right into it. I know Umar kind of. I know you hate this question, man. I'll be honest, but like, what? Um, <laughs> but I, I think I have to ask this for the sake of this. But like, um, when you think of like humanitarian organizations, I'm not gonna ask what you think. I'm gonna ask a version of it. So when you think of humanitarian organizations, do you think about issues typically, or do you like how do you assume them when you first like hear about them? When I initially think about humanitarian efforts. I'd say I think more just about people helping others. I don't know much about it. It's not my field. I know you're more in tune with that. But I guess the more general broad sense would just be uh, people helping each other, people helping the people that need help. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, and like, but like when you look at, so when you look at humanitarian organizations, you look at them as like being 
not perfect per se, but do you see them as all being good and all doing good, basically, and helping other people? Or do you think there could be some different things going on in their like, business? If you're talking about, yeah, if you're talking about intention-wise, I think they are all trying to do good. There's no doubt about that. Again, as you said, I don't think they're exactly perfect in doing that, all of them. But mm-hmm. I think, yeah, they all do want to do good. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing it. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, that's basically the, the whole motive of um, humanitarian systems. And so you're familiar with mission trips as well, right? Like mission trips, mission, vac- those things. Yeah. Hmm. And so do you think like, I mean, you probably, it's pretty much the same thing. Like you think they help as well, like other people. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Because I was reading an article. It was from The Guardian. I think this was written about, um, I'm actually looking at it right now. It was written... Uh, four years ago and it talked about humanitarian organization issues and the humanitarian crisis in general that's going on around the world but um there was a study done it was through focus groups and basically it asks um, participants involved with um, uh, humanitarian organizations those receiving aid aid sorry um, rated several different aspects of a of their humanitarian organization so they would be asked to rate between a 1 to 10 scale how the organization treated them with respect and dignity and be neutral and partial, meeting priority needs and considering their opinions. But the, inter- the interesting thing is that none of the scores between a 1 to 10 ever surpassed the 5, meaning that most of the answers were between 1 to 5 in treatment of people, um, humanitarian organizations, considering their own opinions their own necessities so it kind of sounds like there's a disconnect between the values of the organization and the values of the people receiving the support and so i and i just thought that was like interesting because i think we i think i feel like we're kind of in this um thing where um what's it called we're in this kind of we have this idea that humanitarian organizations humanitarian aid it's all supposed to do exactly what the people they're supporting want. But some in some cases, that might not be the case, and there might be more toxic dynamics occurring than that. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that, because I know uh, in the medical field, something that a lot of people do to get experience, for example, to go into medical school, is go on these medical mission trips, where what you do is you're basically part of a group of a humanitarian organization and you're helping out like patients in a poor area in a poor hospital basically right these whole medical mission trips for i guess you could call them there's a bunch of controversy around it i would say because a lot of people think of them as either you know it's a good thing you're helping out right but it's also on the other side of the spectrum there are people who say that, what are you doing really, you know? Because all you're really doing is going out, saying hi to a few patients, taking their uh, heart rate and all that, right? So that's why there are some people who say, what are you actually doing? You're not really fixing anything. You're just helping out in those like little minor details, not the bigger problem. And is that like a... Um... Is that like a 
a reoccurring idea that is that something that always comes up especially in the medical field yeah definitely it's like both arguments are there i'm not really for one argument or the other but that's just what i've noticed whenever i'm looking Mm, i see i see no that's interesting and i mean that actually kind of leads to another point or not point but like a kind of a discussion i wanted to make but basically i mean i'll get into it right now so it reminds me of this article by i believe her name is elizabeth dunn and we i read about her during one of my conflict resolution classes like about three semesters ago and she talks about this exactly this idea that you're talking about about what are you really doing so elizabeth dunn is a researcher and she goes to and what at the time she writes the article, I think it was 2010, somewhere around that time. She goes to a, a settlement uh, called Coda in the Republic of, um, I believe it's Gorgia, between Eastern Europe and Western Asia. And she encounters internally displaced people who have been forced to go to Coda because of war that was occurring in, um, in their communities. And obviously there's a lot of humanitarian aid organizations because there's a population of people that need support. However, one man that she met there insisted that despite getting medication, food packages, firewood, the man said he received nothing despite receiving all of those different resources. So she got a little confused, of course, because you have all of this stuff. How are you going to say that you received nothing? Um, And then she's basically the article that she writes about, which I'm taking out from, or basing it from, is uh, this idea of nothingness and before I even get into that, an example of um, of like what she was kind of talking about is um, so the population received a lot of macaroni from I believe United States organizations like macaroni pieces a large amount from grocery stores in the United States, but it's not a staple food in um, Georgian culture, and so people actually would cross the border away from the from the new from their new settlement go back to where their um, communities are where the war is like intensive I would suppose to get different jars of food but food that was na- nature in their culture so things that they were used to eating so I thought that was interesting that you know despite them being in a good in a seemingly good place where they could really recover from war from um, from conflict they go back to it because of different needs that need to be fulfilled and so Really, with humanitarian organizations now, going back to them, it's kind of like this idea of, well, okay, so to talk about the people first. So they're, in a way, kind of encountering this idea of nothingness. And basically what she explains is it's a void of unfilled time, a wait time, an absence of normal routines. So an absence of not eating the same foods that you're used to eating, waiting for that to happen. And so you're kind of just in this area not encountering that, never encountering that, and you're just living life. And so then with humanitarian organizations, she also talks about them having like a black hole, um, what's it called, black hole um, stance on things in that all their energy put into helping these displaced people really is going into nothing. So because macaroni is not helping, because all the medications is not really helping what the people really need, you know? And so I feel like that's kind of a thing with, you know, mission organizations or could be. See, here's where I'm like not agreeing with this is the fact that 
I don't know, like if they really, you know, need food and they're starving of food, they take the macaroni. You know what I mean? Instead of being more like picky about it. I don't know about the, the full details about this, but I don't know. It seems just kind of weird that they wouldn't just take the macaroni when they need food. They're, you know, coming from a, what we saying, a battle-worn place. I would assume that they accept their macaroni because, like you said, they really have no other option in terms of food at times. But I think they do that. Like, they accept the macaroni, but they also go to other places to, to get their food. So they don't even... Um, like really even depend on the or they don't even want to depend on the humanitarian organizations that are available to them so I mean so, go ahead go ahead so is what you're saying basically that the thing that they're needing that they're deprived of isn't necessarily the food they could yeah. care less about that but it was more other things that they weren't addressing yeah and like that's why this is kind of actually a philosophical concept like that idea of nothingness right it's not really food that they're trying to like get like yes it's kind of about that but it's really the cultural aspect behind it their own identity because when they're i mentioned internally displaced people there's a reason why they're called that they're displaced so and displaced can be or means like not just physically but also emotionally and away from their communities can you say that again so i mentioned in the beginning internally displaced people these people are being displaced because of war to other areas out of okay. safety, right? Yeah. But in a way, they're displaced not just physically, but emotionally because their emotions, their culture, their own identity is rooted in the community that they were raised in before, the community that's that was in war. And so yeah. moving, being moved to that area, according to these um, these individuals, really is... A little bit harmful for them because they feel like they don't really have like a purpose in being and the in the safe zones you know what i mean yeah i mean i guess that makes sense but i feel that the humanitarian organizations they can't really do anything about that you know they can't go and stop the whole whole war going on so that way the people can go back to where they were it's unfortunate yeah but it's not anything that can be fixed anyways. Right. I mean, when you look at, I mean, well, let's go back to humanitarian organization a little bit. Like, when you look at them, do you think they, they should be doing more to accommodate for those needs as well? Not just I mean, like resources? Like I said, it depends on what they're capable of. If they, I don't think they can really do anything about that, you know? That's like its own thing. No humanitarian effort can really stop that, in my opinion. Right. I think I kind of agree, but it's also, I don't know. It's sometimes it doesn't even require like as much, I guess, like funding or anything. I feel like it's just a matter of, I guess, listening to those communities. Because when you think about like war and conflict, you never know how long it's going to go on. And how long these people are going to be displaced and be in those safe zones. So why make them feel that, you know, for the long term, right? Why make them feel like they're contributing nothing in the world? Why make them feel so distant from their own culture when these, when different organizations could support them in those areas? Especially if you consider conflicts like Yemen, which honestly, there's no, we don't see an end to it. Well, we, we did a podcast episode on it, but you don't really see an end to it. 
And so what do you do well, about those communities? Well, see, I think that's where the difference comes between humanitarian efforts and then actual governments doing something about it, you know? Mm. I, yeah. I don't think a humanitarian effort can go and into a war and stop that, right? They're there for the support to give the resources that, uh, that people need. When it comes to that whole war thing, to stop that and have those people come back, that's based on government, that's based on armies, things like that. So I don't think, I think humanitarian efforts are, that's a whole different category from, I think, that. Mm. How do you, I mean, I know you just, this is not your, I guess your thing, like humanitarian organizations, but like in your opinion, what could humanitarian organizations do a little differently? Like, I know you said that it maybe mostly depends on government, but if the government's not really doing too much at the time or at the moment, then what could humanitarian organizations be doing like that? Well, again, nothing about stopping the war. That's beyond no. that. But yeah, I think we, we agree on that. Yeah, but I guess what they could do is assess more of what the people really do need. You know, talk to them, see what they need. I know a lot of times some humanitarian efforts, they just give out food and things like that when it's maybe it's not necessary that they do need that. You know what I mean? Yo, yeah. And the frustrating thing, too, you just said it like sometimes these organizations give food, water, but it's also the social media aspect connected to that. And for mm. all the listeners, listen to our social media internet conflict episode. But it's a social media aspect connected with that. And what I mean is that obviously in social media, you're supposed to post, you know, positive work that the organization is doing and then posting pictures or um, like tweets with the people they're working with. Everyone's all smiles. Everyone's getting support. But I think social media feeds that um, like narrative right. of like, yeah, exactly. Of like, um, what's it called? The narrative of just humanitarian, everything that humanitarian organizations do to help people are perfect. But in reality, sometimes I feel like it could be a little blind, like blind aid. Yeah. Like, why am I going to yeah. give you a potato when you really need an apple? You'll eat the potato, but you really need an apple. So is what you're saying that there may be some humanitarian efforts that aren't necessarily doing it for the need of the people and said doing it more for, I don't know, I guess the clout, you could say? Yeah, you could say that. And for the clout, I mean, there's probably other reasons I don't even know I could specify, but I feel like there's just organizations that have different, like, um, like va- values and objectives. Like, it goes deeper. Sometimes it goes political. Maybe they have to do this because of political diplomacy. Yeah, I mean... I think that goes down to the individual, really. You know, I think it's more uh, those people who are doing the volunteering that may think like that instead of the organization as a whole. Like the person who made and created a foundation, you know there are so many barriers when it comes to making a uh, humanitarian organization, right? You have to cross a lot of hurdles to make it official, all that thing, all of that. And that goes with any job you do. If you want to get there, you got to want to do it, really, right? Otherwise, you'll never make it. You got to want it in your heart that, okay, I'm going to get there. But so that's why I think those people that make it, I think they're doing it for the right reasons because they do get to that point. But maybe those people who are volunteering and things like that, not all of them may 
do it just for that reason. Right. Yeah, and that's why yeah, I even mentioned the first article about the ratings of humanitarian aid organizations because um, obviously if volunteers are there doing it for the right reasons then and they're trying their best, not all of them, but some of them, it seems that a good amount of them are like not doing it in the right way or doing it in a way that like doesn't really or is not really supporting i mean not supporting the people but um like i already said that but i mean in the right way helping those people in the right way and i Um, feel like that goes from the top of the line in terms of like the organization like it goes from whether the leaders the supervisors are really stressing um like considering priority needs and stuff yeah i'll relate it back to uh what i was talking about with the medical trips yeah, I think I've told you there are like a whole bunch of requirements you need to get into medical school, right? I think it kind of relates to this in the sense that most people are doing it to check that thing off the bo- off the list, you know? Instead of actually wanting to help, they're just doing it to check it off the list of things necessary to get something else. Umar, I have a question for you. How can we stop checking boxes then? If, it, if, if the narrative is that these organizations are just checking boxes. How do you think we should not make it like that? You know, I'll be honest. I don't really think I have a solution for that. (laughs) I mean, it's hard to control, really. I think in terms of, again, back to the medical thing with the checking boxes, for that specifically, I guess we could make it more about letting everyone do what they want to do what they're passionate about instead of you have to do this 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 to get into here do it do what you're passionate about as long as it relates to say the healthcare field right do you think also humanitarian organizations need to be held more i guess accountable for because like i mentioned before there's that narrative that all humanitarian organizations are good and they all do work useful work for people so how do you think make be more honest how can we go about being more honest about those organizations when you say making them more accountable what do you mean like oh okay so not holding them accountable but not exposing them either but revealing things about them like if i know something about you that's bad but obviously i'm obviously but obviously maybe i but everybody thinks you're a good person right but i know something that's bad about you but i can't say it because i'm outnumbered how could we change that? Or how, how, how could, do you think it has a, is a question of social media? I think it does. I feel like I'm asking all the questions, but I feel like it, it could be a question of social media. Well, and internet, and the internet. I don't think revealing things is necessarily the outright way to do it because at the end of the day, even if what they might, like whatever their, uh, would you say it's the motivation? Yeah, whatever their motivation is, even if it may be something bad or different, right? At the end of the day, they're still helping, right? Even though it's not, maybe it's not what they, the people need, it's still some form of help, right? So I don't think revealing, canceling them, that's not the right way to go. I think it's more of just, I guess, just helping them, you know, figure it out instead of just outright being like, no, this is bad, stop it. Like help them figure it out. And I think, I guess this speaks more generally too to everything, really. A little life lesson for you, for Umar. 
Oh, yeah. I like that. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I I hear you on that. And I not even saying I agree, even agree or disagree. I think it's just an interesting conversation to even have for everybody in general. Because I don't think, like when I even first learned about this, these ideas and Elizabeth Dunn in my classes, it was just something that never came up ever, ever in conversations. And so I feel like this is probably one of the few times where we're actually even talking about something like this. And I mean, I can go even deeper about like, um, like how these sometimes these people who are displaced feel like they're nothing in different like humanitarian camps and how like war damaged their emotions. I could talk a lot about that as well because I mean, and I would, that's not even necessarily, that's not even the fault of the humanitarian organizations, but I feel like they just don't take that into account as often. They kind of just have the resources, they give it to them and that's where they, you know, shut down for the day. Yeah. I mean, I agree. It's basically what we've been saying all episode, really, is that's a problem. And again, to fix it, like I said, not necessarily exposing them or whatever, just helping them out. Because again, at the end of the day, some help is better than no help, right? Yeah, and I do agree with that. I feel like any support is good enough, you know? Yeah. It just depends. I mean, I guess it depends on the type of organization that you're dealing with, whether one does more than the other. It's kind of like a teacher. One teaches teaches the material and closes the day, closes for the day, but others just really just get you engaged, you know? Yeah. I think something we haven't really talked about, it really just came into my head. When talking about, you know, organizations that are humanitarian organizations that aren't really doing things for the right reasons and all that. One type of organ humanitarian organization that I feel like should be exposed or things like that are those that take the money that you donate and, you know, take some of it for themselves, right? Or most of them for it. Because I know there's been some that have been like that. I can't really remember the names. And they've been outed. And I feel like that really hits at a real issue. A bigger issue, I'd say. Yeah, and isn't that crazy too? Because when you talk about these individuals, sometimes they're they're even like praised, like not even knowing some of the like the money that they're taking, they're still right. praised because they're in a space where doing good is kind of inevitable. You know what I mean? Right, exactly. I mean, obviously, there are some organizations who need to take some of the money to like you know pay their employee employers and all that, right? But then there are others that take the majority of the donations and that little aside goes to the people you know that's what i'm really talking about like that's the big issue that needs to be exposed needs to change yeah no i definitely agree with that but yeah that that i think we'll close the conversation for today i think it was a very it was an interesting conversation it wasn't even like one person was right or wrong it was honestly just i guess a amalgamation of different ideas so I've never had even used that word before. So it's my first time. But um, yeah, that is the global. <laughs> that's Omar's laughing at me. <laughs> that is the Global Life Podcast, episode number four. I mean the Lunch Break Podcast number four. Um, let us know if you liked it or not. Um, and keep, be sure to also follow the Instagram page if you're interested. I post. Well, I'm gonna post for this um, for this week more on 
different humanitarian organization topics, issues or good work being done, or just different ideas or different ways to think about. Um, and I'm making posts every day, so I mean, be sure to tune in for that. And yeah, episode number four, that is a wrap. And I'll talk to you on the next one. The next one. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can follow us on Instagram at, at globallifeig for news, content, as well as updates on future podcast episodes. Feel free to DM us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.